in the backwoods of America. We have climbed the highest mountains, searched the densest forest, dragged the swamps, and scoured the prairies to find our leader, retired U.S. Marine gunny, Bud Cornwell. Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and you're on the Patriot Cause. Got a very, very special guest, and obviously dear to my heart because he is a retired Air Force Brigadier General. And I'm excited anytime I get veterans on the show, especially those veterans that have accomplished so much in the freedom of our country. And General Chris Eddy has done that. He, again, retired from the Air Force. And then he goes and does something I think is weird. And he goes into the Air Force Reserve Intelligence Officer. You know, Air Force Intelligence. That kind of thing. <laughs> That's but anyway, right. if, and how the yeah. Marine does it. Yeah, we just use our crayons in a coloring book and we accomplish <laughs> everything. So, But the thing about it is, is he didn't stop just because he did his service in the Air Force. He kept going. And another thing is this. He led the FBI's fifth largest intelligence program. That's tough, sir. That's very tough to to be in the, in that environment. My my son was in the security field, in uh, in the Marine Corps, and top secret clearance. Used to tell me about things just like when I was in the government. Same thing, and and you just kind of shake your head at some of this intel stuff. So he's very good with that. College degree, PhD, two masters. I can go on and on and on, but welcome, General, to the show. We're so glad to have you here. Thanks, Gunny. Thanks for everything you did and continue to do for uh, freedom in our country. Yes, sir. I'm proud to be here, proud to serve our country, not just as a retired U.S. Marine, but also active and doing something towards getting the, the message out about what's going on. So here's my question. I'm going to start this off. You're running for... U.S. Senate, I think, in Florida. U.S. US House of Representatives. Okay, U.S. Now House of Representatives. Uh, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, you're a retired Brigadier General. You got all that intel stuff. You've seen what the the, the swamp does with people like you. <laughs> so you know what you're getting into. So 
what's what's the deal? What why have you decided to do this? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a city commissioner in the city of Western Florida, about 70,000 residents. I was minding my own business when COVID happened and they put uh, restrictions on just like they did everywhere. And I understood the first couple of weeks, but I'm an analyst by trade and a data guy. So I tracked how many cases were in our city of 70,000. We averaged about you know, one a day and they were locking down the city for months for one case a day. So I kept complaining and complaining. Like most Americans, I had two jobs, three jobs, raising a family. I still have two high school kids. I didn't pay attention to local politics. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to my commissioner and to complain, We, my wife and I met with her and she said, you know, you got some good ideas. You should run for office. And I, I was a lifelong independent because I didn't think being in a party was compatible with the FBI and the Air Force. I said, no, we complain. Other people run for office. That's just the way it is. And then she said, well, wouldn't you rather be the one to make decisions for your family rather than somebody else? And, and that kind of hooked us in. So we went home, talked to our then middle school kids, and they said, Dad, you're always complaining. Why don't you quit complaining and do something about it? So we did. We threw our hat into the ring, a city race with just four months to go. There was already two other candidates well into it. And we ended up winning with the most votes in city history, despite being in a three-person race. So that told me maybe there was some appetite for some normalcy in, in regular people out there. And the same thing happened. I'm minding my own business. And last year, our country sends $400 million to the Middle East to improve their border security while our border is wide open. You know, we have millions streaming through the border. Uh, the, this administration wanted to pay back student loan debt to the tune of a half a trillion dollars when most of us worked our way. I was ROTC candidate for two years, which, which helped me. So a lot of those things just frustrated me, didn't make any sense at all. So I said, why not, why not me? Um, we have a district here, Florida 25, that was redistricted two years ago. It used to be 48% Democrat, which honestly is, is tough. It's not winnable. After redistricting, it went down to about 43% Democrats, so a little bit winnable. But just in the past years, the Democrats had bled two additional percentage points. So now they're down to 41% of registered voters in our district. So very, very winnable, and we're encouraged by our prospects. So that's a long answer to why, how I got into this. And, you know, we all do this. We watch TV. You go, man, is this the best our country has to offer? Honestly, on both sides of the aisle, you see the Santos guy in New York lied about his resume and, and stole his campaign money. And there's no shame and there's no consequence. So now you have Senator Menendez, who was jammed up before, and now he's got gold bars in his home from Egypt. Everybody, I'm sure you have your pile of gold bars. You know, everybody does, it seems. So it, there's no consequences for that. And, and I said, you know what? We Maybe there is an appetite for some regular people, not lifelong politicians, normal people to get up there and try to have a positive impact. Oh, yes, sir. And the thing about it is this, is a, a large percentage of military personnel that either did active duty for four or five years or even, you know, 40-year careers, the majority of us have this ethos. We have this integrity, this honor, the commitment to the Constitution of the United States. So anytime a military person or military-minded person, per se, goes into that world, 
we're prepared for for those kind of things. We're prepared for the for the pushback and you know what I call the the battling mindset of ideas because we're all pretty much on the same level. It doesn't matter what political party we're part of. The majority of us, whether we're Republican, Independent, or Democrat, a lot of us really have the same goals and the same thing in mind. What happens is is how it, how that is getting accomplished. The difference is we need individuals that go back to that basics of governing where the people come first. We're no longer part of this me, me attitude as a politician. The richer I can get, the more power I can get. Those individuals are the ones that are going and continually making impacts. And I use a great example of Tommy Tuberfield here in Alabama. I have met him. I talked to him, had him on my podcast. And General, I tell you, you would never know that he wasn't in the military. He wasn't. But he was a football coach for years, University of Auburn and other places. So the point I'm making here is we need people like you. America needs people that have gone through these rough decision timeframes for our country and done the right thing based on the right reasons. And just like you're talking about the border being open. Anybody with any common sense knows that this you, we cannot do this. We should have never started just opening the border and letting people in. But they have a, a specific uh, agenda and reason that they want to do that. So my question is, part of that is, when you go to Congress and you're working with them, I think this is one of, if not the top three, at least the top five issues that this country is facing. I mean, number one issue is, our, is obviously our budget process is broken. Spending money is just is driving us into bankruptcy. But uh, so is these are the things that are that are you're looking forward to and how do you think you can attack it when you get there? Well, as far as the pushback, you know, I fully expect that. And I and honestly, I expect it from both sides of the house because I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm going to vote no on spending bills, which are wasteful, which I know the old establishment Republicans like to bring pork to their district. And, and as far as the name calling, whatever they, you know, they're never going to call me anything that my wife hasn't already called me. So I'm not too <laughs> concerned about that. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going up there to have a, a positive impact. Uh, as far as the border, it's it's simple. Just follow the rule of law. We already have the laws in place to do that. I also have a you first mentality. So any politician that likes these open borders, I want to see how many spare bedrooms they have in their home and how many that they're currently housing. And then if they live behind a gated community or have locked doors, would they be free to open those up? as well. The same with the student loan payments. You know, I, I think that's great. They should pay student loans back. My son goes to college next year. If they could write me a check, I would certainly appreciate it. But there I would say, no, no, other people are going to pay, not, not them. So it's certainly it's just following the rule of law. I mean, in the military, we had regulations. When in doubt, you go to the regulations. If you didn't like the regulation, you go to try to get that changed. So there are already rules on the books for asylum seekers and in proper immigration, whether those should be changed, I, I think they should be to readjust to the modern realities, but to just allow anybody in that says, well, I, I feel a threat of violence in my city. Um, oh, okay. Come on in. And here's your appointment seven years from now. 
you know, we'll say, here's your cell phone, your medical benefits, your job referrals, and housing, uh, too, by the way. And I'm sure everybody saw what happened in New York when they ran out of Thanksgiving meals yep. for, for the traditional homeless uh, up there and habitual homeless. And, and most people in the, in the country see that we're on the wrong track. 74% think we're headed in the wrong direction as a country. So that means that's both sides of the aisle. There are a lot of Democrats supporting our campaign because they said, you know what, this is not the party of Kennedy. It's not even the party of Clinton anymore. They don't recognize their own party and they want some return to normalcy. And as far as immigration, I'm the grandson of immigrants that came over from Lebanon in the 1920s. So I know the value they instilled in us of doing the right thing, uh, work ethic and education. In fact, work ethic was so important in our family that if you didn't have a job by the time you were 10 years old, you were considered the slacker, you know, in the family. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Deliver papers, shovel sidewalks sold seeds door to door, whatever it took, right? And that's just kind of work ethic that all of my siblings and, and I have. And then our parents and my grandparents said education, they can never take that away from you. That's why all five of our siblings have master's degrees. Some of us have multiple and my sister and I have PhDs, just because we recognize the value of that continual learning. But I'm, I'm with you that the number one thing to me is the budget and the fiscal discipline and then followed by uh, the border. You know, that's just got to be fixed. Absolutely. I'm with you. In 1850, my great, great four great-grandfathers, however you want to count it, came across from Dublin, Ireland, uh, escaping the potato famine. Mm. So back then, and even when they were coming to Ellis Island, see, we brought them in. We helped them initially, right, to kind of get going. But then they had to go out there in society and succeed on their own. That's not how it's operating today. That's the problem. The problem right. is, is, is if we're going to let people in the country, like you're saying, we got to use the standard process of immigration that's been upheld ever since the country been the country. That's where the failure is. People say, well, it's the failure with the Border Patrol and so forth. No, it's the it's the policy failure. That's right. It's we the have, failure of people obeying the policy, correct? Yeah. Well, Broward County down here, which is have half of the county is my district. And we have a probably 50 percent foreign born population. And the ones most upset about the open border, are the ones that came here legally from mostly uh, Latin American mm -hmm. countries. And they came here because they saw what happened to their countries, the socialism, the takeover of the media, the takeover of education, takeover of the government, and they had no other options. I just met with 60 of them this morning, and some came up after the meeting and said, you know what, uh, if America goes the way of Latin America, where do we go to next? And there's nowhere else to go to. That's why they're among our most passionate supporters, again, on both sides of the aisle. I think I attract a lot of Democrats to our campaign because I was a lifelong uh, independent and I'm more uh, fiscally conservative in in wanting to have that positive impact rather than yelling at people and calling them un-American just because I disagree with their policies. So civility is also a big part of our campaign. You know, we're certainly going to fight for what we believe in, but you don't have to call somebody names and call them un-American just because they have a different belief system than you. Absolutely. I, I'm not against people. And I don't think any of us should. Everybody has their ideas. Some of them are a little bit, you know, farther off than the rest of us on both sides. 
The issue is how do we run our country? How, why are we not using proven policies on both sides, right? I that's, get it. that's the thing. And so what I like seeing is the fact that we're we're getting a lot of these people on both sides of the fence, believe it or not, that are getting it now. They're understanding the reason is because we're not already using what has worked and kept our country what it is today. A great example, you and I both have visited countries that there is no way I'd ever live there. I was in Somalia, and that's a great example of what can and is happening to our own country. In the 50s and the 60s, the Europeans used to travel to Mogadishu, Somalia, because it has one of the best beaches on the planet. And it had big hotels. It was like the booming paradise. It was like us going to Hawaii. If you go to Somalia today, you can't even recognize that that was a big tourist place. And it's amazing what Americans are not understanding. Unless you see what has happened to other countries. That's right. You're not going to be able to, to see what is actually happening in ours. And, and I'm fortunate. Control and, the, and the budget, all that stuff is causing the same things that happen to these other countries. Yeah, we're fortunate in this district that uh, many of our voters, over a third, are mm -hmm. from Latin American countries. So right. we saw it only takes 10 to 20 years for a country to turn south like Venezuela, Argentina, you know, the list goes on and on. Just because of bad fiscal policies and bad federal policies, you know, overall, even in our country, you know, our 34 trillion, I should have brought it downstairs. I have a little, little mobile debt clock. That yeah, just, yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's almost tipping over to 34 trillion. Mm -hmm. And when I started the campaign, it was 32 trillion. You know, this year we're 1.7 trillion in the hole for one year. It's, it's mind boggling. And we're paying $800 billion on interest only to the debt this, this year. That's more than we spend on national defense. Exactly. So, People can't get their mind around $800 billion. That's 253 $100 bills every second, just on the interest, not even talking about the principal. So unfortunately, it doesn't make the headlines. It should every single day because that's not sustainable. And we're over 120% debt to GDP ratio. That doesn't bode well for, for countries. And nobody seems to want to talk about it. Hmm. It's what the fortunate part is, especially in states like yours and Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, there are, again, these immigrants over the years that have become Americans, that have seen the policy changes, and they're actually telling people in their family not to come to America. Oh, geez. You know, and I've talked to a couple of them, and there's a retired Border Patrol agent and he was in San Diego County, California. And if, if you've ever been to San Diego or Tijuana area, it's like a war zone between the border there. I just had and, somebody move here from San Diego uh, because there's people defecating on her store business on her, on her door. And she said, it used to be beautiful, you know, the gaslight district and now there's tents everywhere. Yep. And, and the thing about it is, we're so used to luxury and living high on the hogs, best way out. My dad always said that. Well, like, are well, you going to grow up and live high on the hog someday, right? 
Well, that's what we are. I hate to say it. We are a very spoiled nation, but that's okay. If you handle it correctly, if you appreciate that, you know, thank God every day for what you have. The issue is, well, first off, we got to have more people that actually believe in God go back into our government. That's the first thing that we need to do. And the second thing is having the supporters and support the supporters that bring you into that office. And remember, these people, if you talk to them, they'll tell you they're concerned. Doesn't matter what side of the fence from, they're concerned. They just want it back to where they don't have to worry about the economy. They don't have to worry about the gas prices. They don't have to worry about these things. To me, that if I was running in any position, that's what I would focus on, is learning what they understand has always been true, and then figure out how to adjust those policies to go back and meet what these people really want, what they need. That's the leaders we need in the Congress. Well, we, we have been living high off the hog. We all know rich families who gave money to their kids, and the kids never developed that own work ethic or value for a dollar. And they lose it, right? They just blow all the money because they didn't earn it themselves. And the same thing is going on with this country now. We keep spending and spending and spending because we were a wealthy country and we certainly are in many other ways. But now our nation is at an all-time credit card debt of $1 trillion. $1 trillion for credit card debt nationwide. It's just skyrocket. I put a chart on my uh, website. It's just incredible. And with the interest rates the way they are, the, these people are just never going to be able to pay, pay that it back. off. So no. they're living high off the hog because they bought a house, they bought a, a car and maybe something they couldn't afford and their job went away or they got downsized. Uh, so over the next year or two, if things don't change, you're going to see a lot of credit card defaults, auto defaults, and, and people being pushed out of their homes because they can't afford to live. The housing and car affordabilities are at 50-year lows. So people can't even afford to buy their own home. Yeah. So they have to rent or live with parents. And that's why 74% of the country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction. And it's certainly policy driven. And I give a great example. I bought my first house in the late 80s. Now, this is, you know, difference because you had Reagan. And then after Reagan, you had who? Clinton, right? Well, you had Bush and Clinton. Bush, yeah, the, the original Bush. But during that time frame, uh, the same thing was going on. They, they were spending and spending and spending and spending, and the interest rates going up. And I had to pay 13.5% interest to buy a house. Yeah, mine was between 10 and 11, I think, at the time. Right. And, and you think about it, you're going, wow, that was normal. You know, it's, why is these people complaining, you know, 8%? They didn't know any different, yeah. Didn't know any different. But now I pay 2 2.25% interest on a mortgage. And I can't imagine the same house and having to, you know, have four times. Well, you wouldn't because you'd be pushed out, right, of the market. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we have an insurance crisis down here in Florida, too, uh, house insurance. So we're looking at ways where maybe the federal government can help the state in in doing in making it more affordable for families because with the 20 percent inflation we've seen since this administration plus insurance plus the rent everything else going up uh, people are struggling even with two jobs and we see it even in the affluent so-called affluent communities 
um, that that people want answers and, and, and they want help. They don't want to hand out necessarily, but they want to know that there's hope for the future, that we can be that shining beacon on a hill. I always like to say that we used to be a nation of victors and somehow we turned into a nation of victims. And That's I correct. think that probably started with the participation trophy mentality. You know, my mm-hmm. kids certainly went through that. They didn't like it because we, we never rewarded rewarded them like that and we just need to get back to the promise of what our country can be that that beacon on the hill that ultimate pursuit of a more perfect union not that we're perfect now but we have to continually pursuing to be more perfect and to me that doesn't mean more government control that doesn't mean more socialist Uh, i've never big fan of the government takeover of the student loan program i know they said it's to keep rates low and to help people but anytime the government takes over a program, they can pick winners and losers. Right. They have. They say, well, we're going to pay these students' loans off, but not these. Uh, we're going to give you money for these type of cars, but not for these. Uh, for these solar panels, but not for these. And they pick winners and losers. We need to quit doing that as a country and wasting all that money and let the free market decide. Oh, absolutely. Been there. Well, I was a government contractor, and then eventually I became a GS-14 working for the Marine Corps. So I've seen firsthand what you're talking about, how government spends money. I was working on a project. I love telling this story because to me, it was the worst day of my life, especially in the Marine Corps. I was working on a project as a product manager for software, and we were at the last bit of code that we had to put in the system. It was basically so the Marines can deploy and connect directly to the supply system and order stuff right away as soon as they hit the beach. And it was working out great. Everything was fine. And I give the last brief to the SES about here's what we're going to do. We'll shut it down for you know a couple of days during Christmas and upload it. And the brief and everything went fine. So I went back to work thinking, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get the final okay to, to finish this product and, and go about my way. Um the uh, program manager come walking up to me, retired Marine Colonel. And he looked at me, he goes, bud, I hate to tell you this, but your program has been canceled. Wow. What? $950 million gone. And they can't bring that code back. You got to keep it in the system, that kind of stuff. So the point is, this is how they operate. People don't understand that a person, a single individual in the government has the ability to determine how to spend $950 million. Well, there's, there's certainly has to be some more discipline. There's, exactly. there's a dirty secret in Washington that if you raise the tax rates, uh, the income to the government goes up. If you lower the tax rates, the income to the government goes up. The government always gets the money. So it's not a tax problem. That's what the news media and the politicians like to talk about. It's spending problem. If we just went back to spending what we were just five years ago, we'd have a balanced budget. First time since yeah. the administration. Yep. A lot of us and our families have had to cut back because of the economy and the price increases. I don't know why the government hasn't been able to do that. Just go back three years ago, two years ago, something. You have to make some progress like, hey, we're trying to restrict the growth of government, not just restrict the size to get it smaller. You know, instead of growing 6% a year, how about 2% a year or 1% a year? God forbid, you know, that we, we have to try to save money somewhere. We don't have to study the sexual proclivities of salamanders in the desert 
for a million dollars, all this wasted money that's out there. Uh, it just we just need disciplined people in Congress that aren't concerned about reelection, bringing home the pork and want to do the right thing for this nation. I, I've already had my career as Gunny. I've had my titles. I got my trophies, awards and, and right. you've had your I, I don't need that. You know, and I know the pressure when you get up there. Senator Scott was telling us during a meeting that his first vote was against a Republican bill. And they said, you, you can't do that. You have to be in the club. You know, we all support each other. He goes, but that's against my state. Why would I vote for something that hurts my state? So they shoved him after that. And I've been told, though, if I vote against Republican bills that are wasteful, they will primary me next time. They'll threaten not to support right. the next campaign. Uh, okay. You know, if that's the way it's got to be, it's got to be. That doesn't mean I need to compromise my principles. So that's I'm sure both sides unhappy when I get up there, especially on the fiscal uh, conservative side. But there's way too many federal mandates for people to be concerned about re-election. We need to get the country on the right track. Oh, absolutely. Well, General, we're uh, about out of time here. I appreciate your tremendously. How can my audience specifically reach you, uh, send donations or to your sure. campaign or whatever? Sure. It's Eddie for E-D-D-Y for the number four congress.com, Eddie for congress.com. And listen, we're not going to out fundraise the Democrats, especially in the incumbent. It's, she'll just turn on the, the spigot and she'll get millions of dollars. Uh, but I was out front race seven to one in my city commission race. And I still won with the most votes in history in a three person awesome. race. And we're just going to work harder. You know, I've never been the smartest person, certainly not the best looking person, <laughs> but I've achieved what I have in my life just because of that work ethic. And we're going to work harder than everybody. And so far, the mes message is resonating. But even twenty five dollars, five dollars certainly goes a long way. Uh, a lot of campaigns put their kids on the payroll, both sides. It's crazy. They'll pay their kids a couple thousand a month. They hand out leaflets. They'll pay the rent through campaign funds, uh, buy their clothes or travel. We don't do any of that. My kids got their own jobs. So every dollar people give actually goes to getting out the vote and getting awesome. us in office. So they can be assured of that. So again, eddie4congress.com. Well, sir, from the bottom of my heart, I, I, I'm thrilled when I get to interview and talk to great patriots that get it and putting their best foot forward to go and change this country back to the values that we have. It's, it hasn't gone away. It's just been the lights been dimmed down. We need to uncover that and let it, you know, brighten back up again. It's the greatest that beacon, that there was. That proud, that beacon. bright beacon on the hill. Absolutely. Because we affect the world. And we always have. If, if we're going down, the world's going down. That's right. just the way it is. So, Thank you again. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And if you want to come back on the show, no problem. Just let me uh, know. When do you, uh, well, the elections are not till November next year, right? Correct. November next okay. year. Primaries in August. Uh, we're, you know, we've got to get through the primary first, but I'm confident we'll do well there. And then it's full speed ahead. And our little motto in our campaign is no days off. So we've been oh. working seven days a week for oh, the past sure. several months, and we'll continue to do that right up through election day. Well, good. Let me know. Let's get you back on the show a couple of times before the primary so we can continue to get your message out. Um, my podcast grows every day and it's across the world. It's not just in, you know, 
Alabama or, or whatever, it's everywhere. I mean, I get people listening from countries I can't even pronounce, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So glad to have you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate the support. Yes, sir. Bye. Stand up for the flag and let's all ring the liberty bell. Let's make a Ford and a Chevy that'll still last ten years like the show. Best of the free life is still yet to come. The good times ain't over for good.